0: This podcast is a production of Open Pediatrics, an open-access online community of healthcare professionals sharing best practices from around the world. Visit openpediatrics.org for more. Pediatric Behavioral Mental Health, Trauma-Informed Care, Part 1. Produced by Aisha Delokia, Katherine Coughlin, Caitlin Blackburn, Brenna Chase, and Daniel O'Meara. Trauma-Informed Care, part one. If you're watching this video, you may have wondered what the term trauma-informed care means and how best to provide such care to your patients. In this video, our goals are for learners to enhance their ability to recognize the ubiquitous nature of trauma, identify the core tenets of trauma-informed care, and identify and utilize strategies to provide such care to our patients and families. This video is broadly applicable for all patient encounters, regardless of known trauma history. Trauma is common and often invisible. For further training on trauma-informed care after watching this video, please view Trauma-Informed Care Part 2, which will focus specifically on patients with a known history of trauma, as well as strategies to approach different types of traumatic experiences. Definitions of trauma may vary but the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, uses the following definition. Individual trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening, and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, and spiritual well-being. There are many types of potentially traumatic events that a child can experience that include, but are not limited to, neglect, physical or sexual abuse or exploitation, psychological or verbal abuse, natural disasters, terrorism, and community and school violence, witnessing or experiencing intimate partner violence, refugee or immigrant experiences, racism, loss of a loved one, serious accidents or life-threatening illness, family stressors, and many, many other types of trauma. Effects of Trauma. Unfortunately, trauma is quite ubiquitous. Through the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, or ACE study, we learned how commonly abuse and exposure to household stressors are in the USA. Since then, work has been done to include such experiences as racism, food insecurity, violence, and bullying as adverse childhood experiences. We now know that these experiences increase a person's lifetime risk for serious health problems or engagement in high-risk behaviors. Experiencing trauma in childhood is associated with increased risk of chronic heart, lung, and liver disease, depression, sexually transmitted infections, tobacco use, and alcohol use. Underscoring the importance of early recognition and support for folks who have experienced trauma. The results from the ACE study marked a major shift towards broader awareness of the commonality of these adverse childhood events and importance of trauma-informed care across healthcare settings. This being said, not all children who have had adverse events are destined to experience trauma, and we have learned more about children's resilience and about neuroplasticity in response to such events. Our job is to meet our patients where they are and provide respectful and thoughtful care. There are five core principles to trauma-informed care, as defined by Fallow in Harris's landmark 2001 paper entitled, A Trauma-Informed Approach to Assessment and Screening. In this video, we will focus on these five. However, it is important to note that SAMHSA describes six rather than five principles, combining choice and empowerment, and adding peer support and cultural, historical, and gender issues. These two are critical components of trauma-informed care. First is safety. We want to ensure that patients feel culturally, emotionally, and physically safe throughout their healthcare encounters. Second is trustworthiness. Trauma-informed care requires that providers create clear expectations with patients and remain transparent about healthcare information. Third is choice. We want to ensure patients feel they have a choice in their care and allow them to choose the reasonable treatment option they prefer. Fourth is collaboration. We want to maximize collaboration and share decision-making among healthcare staff, patients, and their families as appropriate, with the acknowledgement that healing is facilitated through the creation of such partnerships. Finally is patient empowerment. We want to focus on the patient's individual strengths. Validate them and empower them to help guide their own treatment in a way that is developmentally and contextually appropriate. As pediatricians, we should focus on providing trauma informed care to all of our patients. When we recognize how common trauma is, we must treat every patient with sensitivity, focusing on patient safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, and empowerment. Recommendations for providing trauma informed care. In 2018, a trauma-informed care working group at Boston Medical Center devised a list of 18 recommendations for pediatric practitioners on how to be more trauma-informed in their daily practice. Each recommendation is rooted in at least one of the five core principles of trauma-informed care and is intended to be used with all patients regardless of whether or not they have a known trauma history. We would like to summarize these recommendations here to give suggestions on how to incorporate trauma-informed care into your everyday care of patients, particularly as a resident. Thank you so much to the BMC Working Group for devising these suggestions and allowing us to share some of them with you. The first group of recommendations is focused on the physical environment. The environment in which you are meeting a patient and family can be a source of stress or a source of comfort, or both and the goal is to maximize patients' feelings of safety. Much of the physical environment may be out of your control, particularly as a resident, but recognize those aspects that you can't control that may be stressful to families, such as security presence or fire alarms, and be ready to respond appropriately. If you are to provide educational material, ensure it is culturally and linguistically appropriate for that family and be intentional about your choice of handout. The next group of recommendations involves intentionality with yourself and in interactions with others. Self-awareness is an extremely important part of providing trauma-informed care. Providers must be intentional with their behaviors to improve the quality of these patient encounters. Be present and be conscious of any personal stressors that may impact your interactions with patients. Be kind and be polite always. Providing care and being present are hard, but kindness, particularly for patients who have experienced trauma, is critical and goes farther than you may think. Notice if you are standing while the patient is seated. Notice if you are appearing rushed and pause if needed, and consider cultural elements to the visit that may differ between families, such as deference to authority or eye contact. As it is said, People will forget what you say, but will remember how you make them feel. Think of the encounters you had as a patient yourself and consider what worked and what did not. See here how a physician prepares to enter a patient's room after rushing around in clinic and responding to messages. She silences devices if possible, pauses, and takes a deep breath before entering the room to greet the patient and sit across from her.
1: Hello. Hi, Cedar. Hi, it's so nice to see you again. Hi, it's good to
0: see you too. How are you doing
1: today? I've been okay. I'm going to this.
0: Next are the recommendations that can encourage a safe, respectful, and empowering visit. As a resident, these recommendations can be particularly actionable. Going to the doctor may be a scary place, medical exams can feel invasive we can ask sensitive questions and examine intimate body parts. Start by greeting families with sincerity, ask about their preferred names and acknowledge all individuals in the room. Begin with open-ended questions that are not in line with your own agenda to elicit the most important topics to the patient in that visit, such as, tell me what you would like to talk about at this visit, and continue with open-ended questions throughout the visit to ensure patients know you care about what they say and are not rushing through their visit. Highlight strengths of families and relate to them by asking questions such as, What is your favorite thing about your child? Or, What types of things do you all like to do together? When asking personal questions or performing sensitive exams, it helps to explain to patients why you are asking. For example, you might say, I need to ask you about your sexual history so I know what tests to order to keep your body healthy. We can provide patients with opportunities for choice and control, asking, would you like me to examine your heart or your lungs first? And talk them through each part of the exam prior to performing it in a language that is easy for both child and caregiver to understand. Frequently check for understanding concerns or questions and check for any signs of discomfort either verbal or nonverbal. In creating the plan, use shared decision-making to promote collaboration with families. Take their lead in identifying solutions that will be appropriate for their solution and seek clarification from them around decisions so they know that you understand their needs. And when possible, ensure continuity of care as families' trust and ability to share sensitive information is built through establishing consistent relationships. For resident physicians, continuity can be hard to establish. Try to advocate for a patient to make their next appointment with you so that you can check in on the things you discussed at this visit. Here's an example of a physician using these strategies to create a safe, respectful, and empowering visit.
1: Thanks for coming in today. It's so nice to meet you. My name is Dr. Smith. What would you like to be called? Cedar. Great, it's so nice to meet you, Cedar. And what are the pronouns that are right for you?
0: Um, I prefer they, them.
1: Great, it's very nice to meet you. Tell me what's bringing you in for this visit today. All right, Cedar, so now that you're a teenager, we like to have usually an opportunity during each of your visits every year to have some one-on-one time between you and me as your doctor. This way, you can ask me absolutely anything you want. We can talk about anything you want and I can get to know you a little better to help you become the best version of yourself that we can. Um, Things that I like to talk about with my patients are everything from how things are going at home, your relationships, whether those are relationships with your family members or friends, um, sex, sexuality, puberty, drugs and alcohol use, and honestly anything and everything in between. So truly, if you have any questions, let me know. Again, I like to ask these questions just so I can better meet you where you're at and get to know what would be. The most helpful for you in this journey of adolescence. Before I get started, though, is there anything that I can do to make this conversation more comfortable for you? No, this is fine.
0: Thank you. Training. And finally, continue to push yourself to learn new information and skills about how to be deliberate in your provision of trauma-informed care. Continue to seek out training on topics such as implicit bias, cultural humility, motivational interviewing, and vicarious trauma. In providing trauma-informed care, we must understand that communities are not impacted by trauma uniformly, and one patient's experience of trauma, process of healing, and response to your care will be different from another's. The symptoms of traumatic stress are incredibly varied and deserve another video all to themselves. For instance, increased exposure to systemic and structural oppression can disproportionately impact a community or individual's exposure to trauma. To summarize, trauma is more common than we may realize. Trauma-informed care relies on the essential principles of safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, and empowerment, as well as peer support and cultural, gender, and historical awareness. Providing such care is hard, but we hope this video has been informative in illustrating how you can use these principles in practice. These principles are widely applicable and can also be used elsewhere in your interactions in teaching, research, and advocacy. We encourage viewers to watch Trauma-Informed Care Part 2, in which we focus specifically on patients who have a known history of trauma. This has been a production of Open Pediatrics. We have more podcasts like this one available everywhere you get your podcasts. Visit openpediatrics.org for more information.